You're tuning in to the ONP Check-In, an SPS podcast. I'm Brendan Erickson, a regional sales manager at SPS. And my name is Jackie Green, a marketing specialist at SPS. This show brings you the latest happenings in the ONP industry. We're unpacking trends and news from this tight-knit orthotics and prosthetics community. Thank you for joining us. Let's get started. Elevate your prosthetic experience with the Meta Arc Foot from Willowood. Constantly upgrading based on user feedback, its integrated polycentric ankle joint mimics natural motion with 20 degrees of inversion-eversion and 12 millimeters of side-to-side slide motion, offering unmatched stability and terrain adaptation with technology only available to Willowwood customers. Also, the ARC is PDAC approved under the L5981 and L5986 codes for ease of reimbursement. Upgrade your prosthetic journey with Willowwood's Meta Arc, where innovation meets mobility. We are now accepting applications for the SPS OMP Master Scholarship and the SPS OMP Technician Scholarship. Deadline to apply is February 16th. Learn more about the essay prompts, qualifications, and more by visiting the scholarship page located under the resources tab on spsco.com. Hello, listeners. This week, we have the pleasure of speaking with founder, lead fabricator, and CEO of Specialized Pet Solutions. Welcome, Angela Bonds. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. We are so excited to have you and learn about your clinic and all the critters that you service. So before we begin, can you share a little bit about yourself and how Specialized Pet Solutions came to be? So I am actually a certified technician. I graduated from Spokane Falls Community College, moved out east, you know, dabbled in the human industry for a while. And then I've always been drawn more towards the animal side of it. And I I met a gentleman over there that was kind of just starting his practice. And I started working for him on the side as like a subcontractor. Started my first company, Extremity CFAB, actually, Extremity Central Fabrication. I was doing humans and animals at the same time. And then, you know, life got in the way, some things happened, and then I got back into animals again, and that's kind of where Specialized Pet Solutions came into play. Wow, it's awesome that you can make that work. Can you shed some light on what type of animals you've helped, and what are some animals that are more challenging than others? Boy, we get all kinds. We get a lot of goats. I made skates one time for a a lemur that his legs were kind of paralyzed backward. So I just bought, you know, those little tech decks. So I just made, pulled plastic right over top of those little tech decks. And then he had these little wheels on it. And, you know, sometimes they're more challenging than others. You're kind of just figuring out what's going to work and what's not going to work. So I've done a cow, which is actually a male cow when it's over, I think, four years old is actually called an ox. Those are definitely more challenging because you got such a massive weight. So it's, that's probably the biggest animal that I've done is, is an ox. I've done two, two for a front knee that had started getting weak and deformed a little bit. So we just get the, the knee joints from Becker and go off of that. And we have to beef it up a little bit, like a traditional conventional KFO or something. You add metal uprights to it and bands and just trying to, trying to strengthen it as much as possible. Wow. I mean, you must be so creative. <laughs> yeah, it's you definitely have to kind of think outside of the box. But then again, I take a lot of what I learned in the human industry and I'm, I'm able to transform it into 
to whatever type of animal that I'm what I'm working on. Believe it or not, right now I have somebody that's interested in a skunk prosthetic. That's probably will probably be my smallest if we're not talking about dogs, because we do get like six pound dogs that might have torn their in the human world it'd be an ACL for dogs and animals like that. It's a CCL, so cranial cruciate ligament. And that's what we see a lot of really is a, a dog knee brace. And they're a lot harder because they're smaller. So you know how you typically have to pour your cast with plaster and then you have to have a rod that goes through. Imagine trying to get something in there that's only like an inch in circumference. You break a lot of molds. <laughs> but when you're dealing with a six pound dog, they're not going to really be able to bend those tamaracks that that great. So we end up thinning those down as, as far as we can. But yeah. And, and then the dog's walking stiff leg. It's like, well, you have to be up front too. You know what's going to work and what's not. So just honest with people and kind of letting them know what the expectation of the brace will do for them. Can you talk about the change in your mindset, learning anatomy of animals and then the kinesiology of animals? Because I imagine almost all the joints are somewhat turned around or there's extra joints in nearly every animal you treat. I mean, it's just what you said there. Like it's backwards sometimes, (laughs) you know, you just got to kind of switch things around or turn it upside down basically. And there's still a lot of fine tuning that needs to happen with, with the different type of joints. Cause you know, sometimes there's just nothing you can do. And so then you would probably put them in like a wheelchair or something like that. But yeah, there's a lot of going to Home Depot too, and trying to figure out what I can build from a hardware store. Well, yeah, there's no book, right? There's no, you know, school for it. There's no academics behind it. I well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I bet this is all out of your own brain and creativity. Yeah. Yeah, My sister actually just did a blog for me and it went over like the background of animal ONP and it's really only been around for like 30 years. Like the first one was WSU just down the road from us, not too far. Washington State University was the first known horse prosthetic or or prosthetic for any animal was like 1996. We're all still kind of learning what can we do and getting vets on board too a lot of them they there's a lot of off the shelf stuff for like dog knee braces and even for wrist braces and people buy them off of amazon or chewy or something and and they really don't i mean I'm, depending on the severity of the injury or if it's arthritis or whatever some things might work for that but vets don't really see the good things that we can actually do when it comes to really doing it properly for a custom brace. You said we, is there a large community of prosthetists, orthodists for animals in general? And do you have like a source of, I don't know, community that you can you know reach out to and ask questions when you see a, a weird presentation? No, you just, it's a very small industry. So, you know, you can maybe stalk them on Facebook and see what they're doing. But there's only a really handful of us that do more out of the box thinking with like these larger animals, farm animals. There's probably like five companies that are doing your standard like dog knee braces, carpal braces for like a hyperextension of the carpal. Yeah, man, there's there's just there's not a lot of people that are doing it. So we all just kind of trying to figure it out as we go. So more broadly, would you say there are like definitive unique challenges for pet OMP compared to human OMP in the world? Are there certain things that kind of like always stick out to you? Yeah, I, I think you're, it's when you're getting into the larger animals. So again, like the cow and the oxes and horses, even I'm starting to see a lot more horse people interested in what they can do for their horses 
if it was an injury that happened when they were two years old and then now it's slowly starting to break down and if there was more awareness of what we can do before it gets to a point that's i think that's the biggest challenge really is just awareness of what we can do so you mentioned that these animals go through kind of different periods of an injury can you crawl inside their mindset a little bit when you fit them with a prosthesis is there an instant kind of like relief on their end that you can kind of glean so anytime that you're first fitting something on an animal, they're going to be a little bit wary of it, right? They're going to be like, what is this? I don't know what this is. You know, you're going to have straps depending on what you're fitting and to what level of the amputation is too. They're going to tell you right away. We like to do a shorter break-in period. So it's not like you're forcing something on them, right? So you put it on, you could reward them with positive treats or something like that. And then take it off. And, you know, like with horses, it's a, a pressure and release thing. You put something on them, you give them pressure, and then you take it off. And it's kind of the same thing. You're rewarding by taking it off, being like, it's going to be okay having this on and then taking it off so they know that it's going to come off and on. Wow. So that's really cool. And you've done work around the world. Can you tell us a little bit how you've helped animals, not only local, but throughout the world? So yeah, it's a lot of mail order and it's a little bit trickier than having somebody come to you. For one, you're sending out the the casting tape. And right now in the winter time, we're running into a lot of issues with the, the tape getting defective by the time it gets there. And I don't know if it's because of the cold and then it warms up being in a rig or, or whatever it is. Like that's probably some of the hardest. What we're going through right now is a lot of tape fiberglass tape defecting while it's on. And then, and then the, the customer gets really frustrated. So it's just making sure that everybody knows and, and being really thorough with when you're talking to clients, when they're going to be casting their animal, like that they really, really know what they're going to be doing and the expectation of what they're doing. And the outcome too, it's just a matter of, of making sure that they have all of the tools that they need. Do you travel on your own, like for specifics? So like if somebody really wanted you to come and do a custom when they may fly you out? Yeah, I, I've actually gone to North Carolina to do some castings there at a big sanctuary. And I've known them for years, though. So it's it's kind of hard to leave because I do have my own animals that are special needs. And then finding the time when you're still trying to fabricate and just having that time to do that. But yeah, I, I have done it. I, I try not to make it habit. <laughs> What's the farthest somebody has come to you? Because I'm assuming it's easier for some owners and some pets to just kind of load them up and bring them to you. The furthest away, somebody's traveled eight hours in one way just to, to come up. But it was a pretty severe, it was for a dog that had a like a shoulder that was kind of popping out. And you know, people love their animals now, and especially dogs as their kids. And this dog was actually a emotional support dog too. So she just kind of went with them wherever. And it was a really tricky cast. Like I had to cast the whole body and then the leg. So it was good that they were willing to travel. It would be nice to eventually have like a trailer or something that I could, I could take it a little bit further away than what I am. I wouldn't want to go cross country or anything, but maybe keep it on the West Coast. How do animals typically respond to the brace? And how do you approach getting them comfortable with the device? And I'm sure the strategy changes, obviously working with like an ox versus a little six pound 
little poochers that sits in someone's arms. And then what they're familiar with, some are probably more used to being around equipment. Generally, in the beginning, they, the animals usually are kind of have more of a negative response to it just because they don't know what's what's going on and they don't speak English. So you can't tell them, you know, this is helping you. But we, we like to do more of a, a slower breaking period so that you're putting it on, taking it off letting them get used to it. And then it's amazing how quickly they pick it up. Like they're like, oh, this is actually helping me. You know, I've heard stories of a dog that had a, a knee brace and it was for a luxating patella, which is really hard to fine tune. It's, it's not 100% on a knee brace to stabilize a patella from sliding around, right? But the dog would sit and would look up at the brace and would whine because it wanted that brace on. They know that it's going to help them. Eventually. <laughs> and, and another thing with the, the, the break-in period is we want to make sure it's not hurting them, right? And so you're going to start seeing, you know, a red spot or hair loss or something like that. So it, that's why we like to do the break-in period. Typically, if you're putting something on an animal that's that it's hurting them, they're going to try and chew at it or they're going to try and get it off. And you're going to know, right? You're going to say, oh, something's something's going on. So even before that stage, when you're talking about whether that animal is a potential uh, recipient of a brace or a prosthetic. You, you probably have to do a ton of assessment and discovery and whatnot. How can you tell if an animal is a good candidate to comply with a brace? Usually we get a diagnosis from a vet or, or the, the owners will say, hey, our dog has a CCL tear. Those surgeries can be anywhere from five to $6,000 just for a CCL surgery that may or may not work. I mean, I'm going to say the percentage is probably it will work, but there are those cases where I've heard of dogs having to be amputated after a, a TPLO surgery, which is not the case on everything, but a lot of people don't have $5,000 either to put for a dog that's, let's just say they're nine years old. And if a knee brace is going to help them, would help build scar tissue up, so yeah, we just, based off of a, a diagnosis from a vet typically, and then being in the, in the field too, you see the same patterns over and over again, right? But it's not guaranteed when you're looking at a dog and looking at a gate, let's just say, you're not going to say, oh yeah, that's the knee. Like you just, you don't know, but you might see something hyperextended, right? Like the carpal brace could be going backwards. The hawk could be, you know, dropped more than what it, it, the other side is. So you get an idea of looking at an animal to see what's going on. And then a diagnosis is always very good to have. Do you ever have to turn away some animals? Like you, you're looking at them and you're assessing them and you see maybe they could use something, but you don't think it'll work for them? I have a really hard time doing that because I feel like I can try to do something, but I'm always really, really upfront with, with the people. Like, I don't know if I can, if this is going to work, like I can try, but, but let's just say it's a case where the animal may may need to be euthanized instead. You know, there's there's those cases, which I, fortunately, I haven't really had to deal with that too much, but there are some people that want to prolong it way, way too long, you know, because there is quality of life at the same time. Yeah, I'm sure that, again, a hard line to walk, because like you said, they can't talk to us. So maybe it does help a little bit, but really it's not improving their overall quality of life enough to pursue it. Yeah, I just, somebody reached out, they had, it was another cow, like the whole shoulder was dropping out and it's like i would need to send anything to india that big is gonna cost who knows how much but i just was like why don't you try this like i don't want to build something 
and not only you know you got to think of your time too that's going into this like you just can't do everything for free like you do have a a, a price per hour that you kind of go work off of so i do try and help people to do more do it yourself too like hey why don't you just try this or the wheelchairs like you you can make wheelchairs out of pvc pipe have you ever been involved in like a, a zoo or anything like that ever reached out to you? Yeah, there's a zoo there in Boise, Idaho, that they had a uh, warthog that had a just a front leg deformity, and I was able to build a brace for them. But yeah, <laughs> it's sanctuaries. We work with a lot of sanctuaries too, and non nonprofit. Yeah. There's one lady, she runs a nonprofit, and she like does GoFundMe's for people that need help with their special needs animals. And then we kind of have a little bit of a partnership where I, I give her a discount on on all of her stuff. So is there almost like a, a Mount Everest for you that you would like to conquer? Oh, boy, that's a tough one. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think like with 3D printing that's coming out, there's a lot, a lot of things that we could possibly do with 3D printing in the near future. So you you're going to be working with maybe a smaller scale of animals by doing that. But I think it's a bigger learning curve on how to 3D print it. Basically, I took actually just in August, I took a 3D O&P printing class down in Prescott, Prescott, Arizona. And it was all for human O&P, which I was hoping that maybe I could get some insight on how to uh, incorporate that into the animal side, which I still want to do, but it's going to take a lot of time and just practice, I think. Angela, this has been awesome chatting with you today. So this is a point where we just kind of open it up. If there's anything else you'd kind of like to add or share about, floor is yours. Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to say. I mean, you talked about Mount Everest and like what my my peaks would be is definitely like opening up a sanctuary of my own and being able to do, you know, special needs, have a special needs pets here and being able to work on them at the same time, I think would be pretty pretty fantastic not only for research basically so you know what works and what doesn't and you're getting a true true meaning behind the whole the whole full circle basically of helping these animals yeah congratulations on doing just awesome work and being a wonderful person and this is truly fun and i wish you the best thank you so much oh thank you yeah thank you so much for joining us today Yeah, no problem. Thank you. If you would like to learn more about Specialized Pet Solutions or connect with Angela on LinkedIn, you can follow the link in our show notes. Thank you for tuning in to The O&P Check-In, an SPS podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to episodes. And while you're at it, rate and review the podcast to help fellow O&P professionals find us. Email us your topic suggestions and feedback at SPS podcast at SPSCO.com. See you next time.